Hello, everybody, and welcome to the College Gridiron Show. I am Matt Costantini, joined by Mir Gori and our wonderful producer, Matt Breen. We're switching things up this week. I'm in charge. How do you feel about that, Mir? I was really glad about it, to be honest with you. I was waiting for you to get to that point, you know, and uh, I just felt like you, you were you were ready. You know, you were ready to go. Plus, you know, I'm down this week. I'm very, very down. Yeah, for for everyone not in studio today, Mir is calling in, so it'll be a very fun show. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about, and well, we'll get right into it. You mentioned it. You're down this week. The Sooners dropped a really, really bad game this week to Iowa State. Yeah, tell me something new. I mean, every year, this is what happens. The Sooners have a good team or a good coaching staff. They have... A lot of funding in their program. They have great fans. They're ready to go. And year after year, the Sooners always disappoint us. And I'm starting to think it's not the players because it's been about seven years that we've consistently lost in this manner. But I feel like it's been over seven years. It's probably been about 10 years that the Sooners have lost consistently, even though they're having national championship hopes. And they usually drop a game that they really, really shouldn't. So. I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but from what I was reading and what I watched about the game, it was a really strange game. The offense played really well, but the defense really let them down. And it's not that the entire team played poorly. It's just that they got beat. Yeah, this is what happened. Um, The Sooners are up 14-3, to and they start playing around with multiple flea flicker plays. Um, they got cute. Baker got really cocky about it. Uh, we put in a field goal, so then it was 17 to three. And from that moment on, the defense, for whatever reason, just couldn't stop Iowa State. And the Oklahoma offense, um, kept driving down the field and then, um, having a silly three and out because of a penalty. Or there was one instance where Trey Sermon fumbled it at the four-yard line. And so there were about 10 to 14 points worth of errors that the Sooners could have added on to their total at the end of the game had they not made these silly mistakes such as penalty, like offensive pass interference or personal foul penalties or fumbles. Yeah, and this was a game that the Sooners really, really needed from my point of view, this all but ends their playoff chances. This all but ends Baker Mayfield's Heisman campaign. And you just didn't really expect this out of this team. You know, they go in and they beat Ohio State. That's the great win for them this season. And it kind of just looks like they're going to keep rolling on until they they really face no one at the end of the year. They're going to make it to the championship game and we expect them to win that and we expect them to lock up a playoff spot. But now that's that's just out the window. I I don't see a way that they make it back into the top four, regardless of of what happens to the rest to the rest of the field. But this is just this was a very surprising game for me. Well, you know, if you if you've watched college football over the years and you pay attention to the Sooners, then this is actually something very normal. What was unusual about this year is that OU won a big game by going to Columbus and beating Ohio State. But there actually is a way for Oklahoma to make it to the playoffs still. 
in that regard, I'm not worried. I just don't think that it'll happen because I know the Sooners, and I feel like the Sooners will drop another game or two. But here's what needs to happen um, to, to just basically ensure that the Sooners are in. First, the Sooners have to go have to go undefeated for the rest of the season. Yeah, they absolutely need to win out. Right. And the second thing is that TCU has to win all of their games except to Oklahoma. So that, therefore, what happens is that TCU, the TCU win for Oklahoma, the presumptive win, right, would, would look good. And, and, and so, you know, give the committee reasons to say, okay, well, Oklahoma lost to Iowa State, but they, they beat two teams that are only one-loss teams in Ohio State and TCU. And my third thing that, that has to happen for Oklahoma to make the, the playoffs is that Ohio State has to win out. The fourth thing is that Washington has to lose a game. They just have to lose a game. And then the fifth thing is that has to happen, and I mean, this isn't necessary, but just to fully ensure that the Sooners are in for sure, no doubt about it, is that um, – and, and sorry, let me qualify the Washington loss. I'm just assuming that Washington is going to be Washington State. But basically what needs to happen is that the Pac-12 winner has to be undefeated. Um, it's, it has to lose a game. Um, and, and so the fifth thing that needs to happen is that Georgia needs to lose a game other than This the sounds like a lot of ifs and, oh, and yeah, if yeah, buts yeah. in oh, a yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, these are five things that have to happen that fully guarantee the Sooners. I still think there's a very good chance the Sooners get in. I'm just saying what really needs to happen to just give a chance is the Pac-12 winner has a one loss. And OU goes goes undefeated. I just don't see it happening. They they fell all the way to 12 in the recent poll, and they just have such an uphill climb ahead of them. There are so many other teams, like no loss and one loss teams that are ahead of them currently, and I just don't really see them making it back to the top. In my opinion, I think other teams will lose, but the thing is that the Sooners will lose as well. The Sooners look like, and I said at the beginning of the season, a four-loss team or a three-loss team, and then they surprised me with the Ohio State win, and so I got fooled. Um, but here's their first loss. I foresee them maybe losing to Oklahoma State and TCU. You know, I, I see a three-loss, maybe even at West Virginia as well. I see a four-loss uh, season for the Sooners, potentially. Well, that would be just absolutely crushing for you, I know. Uh, oh, yeah. But there's another another major team that went down this weekend in the form of the Michigan Wolverines. We were talking about it on last week's show. This could be a trap game for them, and that's exactly what it turned into. Yeah, and you know, I wasn't very confident in that, but you know, you called it perfectly, uh, Matt. You know, like th- this this Mich- I, I I said it last week. Harbaugh, it's the third year. He hasn't con- he hasn't contended yet for a Big Ten championship game. Hasn't even been to one. Hasn't gone to a playoff. And you know he he he, he brings on a lot of media and a lot of hype and, and a, a lot of scrutiny from the rest of the the college football world. And he's not delivering. And I'm not saying it's his fault because Bates is out with with a back injury for the season, presumably. And 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 O'Corn just looks god awful. I mean, yeah, he I knew, just I looked that, terrible. I knew that the weather was bad, but it wasn't bad enough that he needed to throw five interceptions. No, not not at all. So, I mean, so with with that being said, maybe the the younger McCaffrey that the Michigan has might be thrown into the fray. I don't know. I feel like at this point, Michigan needs to do whatever they can because they have such a great defense, um, specifically with Vindovich and Hurts. 
But, you know, this is yet again another loss that Michigan has on its record, much like the Sooners, that kind of paints a picture of what usually happens for Michigan and Oklahoma at this time of the year. Yeah, you know, we we expected this to be a very low-scoring game with O'Corn coming in and being the backup quarterback and everything like that. But I really didn't expect the offense to look as bad as they did. They just looked completely inept against, quite honestly, what is not a good Michigan State team. They they just could get nothing rolling, and, you know, things don't get easier for Michigan going forward. They have another game that they should presumably win against Indiana this week, but then they have the probably the biggest game on both schedules against Penn State next week, and if they still don't have Wilton Spate back, they need to figure something out to get the job done because right now their season is hanging in the balance. Another loss for them pr- presumably takes them out of the Big Ten championship game picture, and more importantly, it could derail the entire season. I'm just really worried for Michigan, not because I think that they deserve to be losing this many games, because I actually think they're the real deal. I just think that their quarterback position, is, the, the, the quarterbacks that they have are so bad that I see them dr- dropping one more game, at least. And Either Penn I, State I expect that to be the Penn State game. I think they're going to lose both of those games, honestly. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I see. I see this as a three-loss team because now they're imploding. They're a team in implosion because O'Corn is terrible. The team also it, will start will stop believing in him. Space is out with a severe back injury. Again, maybe McCaffrey can come in, but you know, putting a freshman in that kind of situation, I don't know if it's the right thing for for Harbaugh to do. But, you know, this offseason, he's going to have a lot of questions to answer. Oh, absolutely. A three-loss Michigan team is something that their fans, their alumni, their donors just do not accept. And it wasn't. And with Harbaugh coming in, they weren't supposed to have these kinds of years anymore. But we've just been seeing it now for the last three years. And it, I don't really see it getting better from here. And had they done better last year, I think he, Harbaugh would have had immunity in this season because you know you can understand the situation he's in. It's not his fault. His, his, his starting quarterback got injured. It's not his fault that all the, the quarterbacks that he recruited are, in his first class are, are, are still you know probably not ready and, and the best ones that he has right now are freshmen. So you know you have to consider that. But because he dropped, a, a pivotal game against Ohio State last year, their arch rival, and then also to Iowa. I, he just has no immunity now, and I feel like, you know, there will be whisperings of, of whether they should get rid of him, but I don't think they will, but this summer is going to be very, very difficult for Harbaugh. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think he's safe for at least another year, and depending on what he wants to do, if he wants to stay in the college game or maybe transition back into the professional league, He's going to have a lot of work to do if he does decide to stay at Michigan. He's going to need to retool the offense, get some more pieces on defense, and he's just in for a lot of work ahead of him. So, To be honest, I'm really happy with their defense because they're young and they're going to get only better. The, the question is, the court, he, he just needs to find a quarterback because he has a, defense, a decent offensive line, uh, decent running back, decent receivers. It's just the quarterback he needs to find. Yeah, so we're going to transition into this week's games. It's kind of another slow week. There's a few big games that we're going to talk about. And the first one we're going to talk about is the Red River rivalry game between Oklahoma and Texas. 
All right, you can say that five times in a row. It's the best tongue twister you'll ever have. Oh, isn't experience. it? But it's it's amazing. It used to be the Red River Shootout. They wanted to be more PC. I understand it, but still, it's a little disappointing, de- detracting from tradition in that regard. It's going to be a tough game for the Sooners. In a way, this loss to Iowa State is a good thing because the Sooners will respond well to the loss, I believe. Um, the Sooners have always done that. But, again, you know, that's always under Bob Stoops. Um, so, you know, this is new with Lincoln Riley. So I'm assuming that they're going to respond very well, like with a leader like Baker at quarterback, and they're going to beat Texas. It's going to be a tough game like it always is. But, but I think the Sooners will, will come, come out red hot and pull out the win. The thing is that if there was going to be an upset loss, I would have preferred it to be to Texas than to Iowa State, of course, because Texas played so well against UC- USC. The the voters also would see that, you know, it's a rivalry game. So, you know, that's kind of the situation with the OU-Texas game. Right, and I don't expect this game to be a shootout by any means. These are two really, really good defenses. It's it's going to be a, a low-scoring drag-out affair between these two teams. It's it's probably going to come down to who has possession last. Um. Texas is absolutely going to smell blood in the water against Oklahoma. They're going to try and pounce on them early, try and see if if OU is still reeling from last week's bad loss. And I wouldn't be surprised if Texas pulls this out. I, I don't expect a team as talented as Oklahoma to drop two straight games, but if they did, this is a game that they might do it in. It's a game that they would do it in because also they have a young coach. Now, the Oklahoma defense on paper doesn't look very good, but against Ohio State, it was absolutely amazing. It has been terrible since. So it's, it's going to be, I'm going to be curious to see if Mike Stoops can galvanize his defense to be more disciplined and more fundamentally sound for this game because Texas's defense, led by Malik Jefferson, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be solid. And, and OU's defense is going to use that, hopefully, as, as, as a motivation to try to, to outplay the Texas defense. Yeah, and you, you really expect Baker to just continue his strong play. We mentioned that his Heisman campaign is probably over, and that's not due to his play. It's due to the play of the team. It's kind of hard to give that trophy to a, to a team with a loss. But he's going to be the key to this game, as always, and as he plays, the team will play, really. Exactly, and that's kind of the problem with Baker. You know, people really like Baker. He's, he's throwing at a, a ridiculous accuracy level right now. It's at almost 75% completion percentage. I mean, he really, he's, his throwing motion, his accuracy, his touchdowns, even the interceptions that he does throw, they're all prototypical future first-round pick quarterback kind of kind of uh, traits. But the problem is, and I think this also did play into the Iowa State game, is Baker Mayfield is ver- barely 5'10". And, and he, is, he is elusive, but he's not fast. And so because of that, he's, not a gr- he's, he's an average athlete. He, he has, uh, you know, slightly below average frame. Uh, he isn't very thin, but, uh, but the thing is he's not very tall. And so when you put somebody like that in, the, in a situation like an Iowa State game, he gets a little bit exposed, and I'm worried that the Texas defense will be able to do that because they have very athletic linebackers. You know, you so, were talking about about him being a first-round talent. Why aren't people talking about him the way they're talking about Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, because, Josh Allen? He could very easily go first round. 
Because Baker is barely 5'10", because Baker looks like he's a little chubby, because Baker won't have uh, a 4'5", or even a 4'6", I mean, Baker Baker's not very fast. Baker's not very athletic. He's very good in space. He's very good at contorting himself and, and weaving around guys. But the, the difference between, say, a Drew Brees and a Baker Mayfield, who I think are very similar in characteristics, is that Baker Mayfield doesn't have quite the arm that Drew Brees has. Drew Brees has a cannon of an arm, whereas, whereas Baker Mayfield has a very good arm and excellent accuracy. And so when, you, when you're put in that situation, you, you, don't, you never become really that first-round pick. And also, remember, Drew Brees wasn't, all, wasn't either a first-round pick. And it wasn't until he got to the Saints that he became the Drew Brees that we all know. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. And our our next game is going to be a game that Oklahoma is going to be watching very carefully. It's another Big Twelve matchup between TCU visiting Kansas State, and this game is going to be very unlike the Oklahoma Texas game. There is going to be very very little defense played in this game, and it is going to be a very high scoring affair. Yeah, because. Although TCU's defense is very good this year, the problem is is that they're in the Big 12. So there are a lot of elite offenses, and Kansas State has a very solid offense, both in the running attack and the passing attack. And because of that, you know, the the, the, the TCU defense is going to struggle to keep, you know, the, the offense under 35 points. But I think that's the goal for TCU. If they can keep Kansas State under 32, under 35 or even, you know, 31 points, basically allow only four touchdowns max, I think that they win because TCU on average can probably hit five to six touchdowns, especially against the oh, easily defense that's, that's not very good. Yeah, and we've talked about him a few times on the show already, but Kenny Hill just looks absolutely fantastic for TCU. And he's led them to what could potentially be a playoff berth for this team. Um now with Oklahoma going down, there's really not much left in their way. They're going to have a – they're looking like they're going to go to a championship game, and depending on how that works out, they could find themselves in the playoff. But I think this game is really going to come down to is if Kansas State's quarterback, Jesse Ertz, and their wide receiver, Dalton Scohan, if they can be on the same page, I can see them causing a really big problem for TCU's defense. Right, and the thing is, is that for me, a quarterback like Will Greer that West Virginia has this past week really tested TCU's defense, and and you know West Virginia almost won, and West Virginia is a very good team. They're in my eyes a top twenty team, maybe even a top fifteen team. They're very very good. That narrow losses to Virginia Tech and TCU, and you know that's what happens when you have an elite quarterback and just average talent around him. You're a top fifteen team. But even in that situation, TCU won, and that's why I think Kansas State just it, it won't be able to, to, to stand up to, to TCU's defense. And although we're talking about four touchdowns as if it's not much, but in the Big 12, if, if you only allow four touchdowns in a game, you're, you're in pretty good shape, especially against a team like, like Kansas State, who, who is tough and gritty, and, and, they, can, and they can pick up points in, 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 in a lot of drives. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think TCU pulls this one out. I think that they're just way too talented to go down right now. But there's another another team out there that kind of surprised people this year, and no one really looked at them as being as good as they are right now. So my question to you is, are the Georgia Bulldogs really this good? 
All right, so the Georgia team looks like the old Alabama teams. I mean old as if we're talking about, like, we're old, but, you know, like like seven, eight, nine years ago, like the, those early Nick, Nick Saban Alabama teams, that's what the Georgia team looks like. It looks like, you know, instead of having Glenn Coffey, they have a combination of Sony Michelle and, and Nick Chubb at Georgia. Um, instead of, instead of having elite defensive, defensive uh, tackles like Terrence Cody, they have a lot of elite linebackers at Georgia and a lot of elite secondary, which shut down corners. And, you know, the, the one thing that Nick Saban didn't have is he hasn't really had an elite quarterback that looks like a first-round pick. But the thing is, is that Jake Fromm and, and Danny Etling both look like first-round quarterbacks for Georgia. So Georgia has kind of an embarrassment of riches right now. They recruited really well this past season. They had three players in the, in the top ten of the ESPN 150, and, and, the, and then two of them are already making an impact on the team. And so because of that, I think that this Georgia team is for real. They have experienced players, leadership players, at key positions like running back and Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, and then they have elite talent. And I think that this team has a chance to be Alabama, especially how Alabama looked against Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that this is a really good football team. They they were put in a really tough position early on when the starting quarterback, Jacob Eason, went down and the true freshman, Jake Fromm, had to take over. But he's looked fantastic. He He's taken down some good teams already in very impressive fashion. Nick Chubb is showing that he has put that injury completely behind him and he's looking to, to make a name for himself and get drafted high. Um, the defense is outstanding, as everyone expected from a Kirby Smart-led team, and they don't get me wrong, they have some tough matchups left. They have to go on the road to Auburn and on the road to Georgia Tech, which are toss-ups for me, really, but I expect this team to just roll through the rest of their competition, and you mentioned it, they have a SEC championship date against Alabama coming up, and that is going to be a very, very good game. And in terms of just being convincing, because let's say they lose to Alabama, but they beat Auburn because they will be playing Auburn, and they just smack Auburn, Georgia still could be a top four team. You know, they oh, I agree with that, yeah. And that's what I was telling you earlier with Oklahoma is that you know, just to feel comfortable, just to guarantee that OU's in, if all the first, first four conditions I laid out work, would be that if also Georgia loses another game in addition to the Alabama loss. Because Georgia just looks very good. They, 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 they beat Notre Dame, and Notre Dame hasn't lost a single game since. I mean, they, they, have, they have great non-conference wins. They have good conference wins. And as Notre Dame continues to climb up the board as they're 16 right now, it's just only going to make Georgia look better. And I really wouldn't be surprised if after Georgia, because I assume they'll be Auburn, if, if Georgia doesn't climb up to three. And then if Clemson loses a game, Georgia could be number two. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. I think that a one-loss Georgia team, and that if that loss comes in the SEC championship game to Alabama, is still a very, very strong playoff contender. And you're talking about the good wins they have. Yeah, Notre Dame has really good wins, and they're a really good team right now, and they have a lot more good competition coming up with USC in the next couple weeks, with Stanford in the next couple weeks. So their strength of schedule is only going to get better as the season goes on, and their playoff hopes are alive, and honestly, if they make it into the playoff, I can see them making some noise in there. 
Yeah, I, 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 I agree. And, you know, you could see a, a situation where we'll have another SEC final like we did when uh, back in Alabama LSU in, in 2011. You know, we could have a, an Alabama-Georgia uh, game again. You know, if, 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 they, if, they, if, if one of them loses, I still think that they, they can get in. Yeah, and granted, I don't think anyone's going to beat Alabama, as I've mentioned. And I just think that they're so much better of a team than everyone else. I, you know, I, I really – okay, so i got to say this. Everybody keeps talking about how Clemson and Alabama are above everyone else, but there are flaws to Clemson. Clemson Ooh. will lose a game this year. They will, they will lose a game. I don't, I don't know. I, these... Well, look at how they played against Wake Forest. They they were playing a really sloppy manner, and Wake Forest kept fumbling it by by the goal line or in enemy enemy territory, and the game ended up being twenty eight to fourteen. But it easily could have been, you know, twenty eight twenty eight Wake Forest Clemson going into to, to overtime. Granted, I understand that Kelly Bryant got injured in the third quarter, but still, you know, like had Wake Forest not you know turned the ball over, that could have been a trap game, and they're going to have a tough game as you mentioned. Uh, a week ago against NC State, you know, that's that's a game to look out for. And also, you know, why not? You know, South Carolina or even Georgia Tech, those are going to be tough games that Clemson is going to be tested. And that's why I haven't believed in this team because they're so young. And they're going to be tested and they're going to have to be consistent. I just think that these two teams are just head and shoulders above everyone else. You see Alabama just running through the competition and they haven't had a close game yet. With... Well, so how come they didn't run through Texas A&M's defense? That's been very poor. Uh, well, you know, that's, that's kind of off like, day, maybe. Like well, that's kind of the point. I've been noticing there is an issue with the Alabama offense since Lane Kiffin left. There's been an issue. I don't know what it is, but since Lane Kiffin left, there is a disconnect between the quarterback and the coordinator, and, and it's concerning me because Hurts looks unhappy, and he looks like they're, they're trying to control him and not let him play in this free-flowing motion. I don't know if you've seen... Alabama this year, but Hertz doesn't look as 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 I guess he's not. He doesn't look as loose in the pocket. Like he doesn't look as comfortable as he did last year. Because I think they're trying to force him into this either this only running quarterback or this only passing quarterback. And I think what makes Hertz great is that he can do both. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. And you know, I've been a big Clemson fan all year round, and I think that they're going to keep going to the end. But that's all we have for this week. Um, Mir, I, I hope that you've been having a good weekend. It was a long weekend, and I'm excited to see you again soon. Thanks for having me on. All right. I'm Matt Costantini for Mir Gorey and Matt Breen. This was the College Gridiron Show. Thank you for tuning in, everyone.